Welcome to the Global Bandroom, a podcast about bands and musicians across the world. My name is Keith Kelly and I'm a band director from the west coast of Ireland. Each episode, I sit down with musicians to talk about their stories and bands and how they're making an impact in their communities. Before we start, you can find out more about the podcast and the people and stories that we feature over at globalbandroom.com and you can also find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom. All of the Global Bandroom podcasts are brought to you by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Find out how you can travel beyond expectations at mykatrip.com. Now on with the show. Well, I am absolutely delighted to welcome to the band room uh, a friend and uh, someone who I was able to interview in the early days, in the first week of these Global Band Room podcasts. We didn't even call it that at that stage. It was it was Bands of Ireland and we were still trying to figure out what we were going to do instead of having a St. Patrick's Day parade. So we were interviewing some band directors. Um, Mark Nichols, I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you back. You've been part of this podcast. You've been part of the Repertoire Happier. You've been part of Finding Drum Corps. You've been part of Bandemic. Um, you... you uh, have been a friend of the podcast and I'm absolutely delighted to welcome you back today and talk to you a little bit about your background and your history in banding. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. And what's fantastic is that the time has just worked out really nicely so that we have this lovely sound in the background of this uh, where we get to hear your jazz band re- rehearsing. Uh, Mark, tell us a little bit about your, your school. Um, of course, we'll talk a bit about drum corps today as well. Uh, but tell us a little bit about Brazoswood High School and, uh, and what, you're, what you're up to right now. Uh, so I'm a Texas high school band director down here in Houston area. We're about an hour southeast of houston down towards the coast so our beach is about 15 minutes away which is nice um and we're kind of a community amongst ourselves down here we're we're near the home of dow kind of dow chemical uh so we have a lot of uh future engineers in our band program so we we love to see more future musicians but we have a lot of future engineers but um, we've had a lot of good success with jazz and marching and concert kind of a well-rounded program kids can do a lot of things or a few things. Um, our marching bands are thing most in the forefront. We're in the season right now, starting up BOAs this weekend and all that kind of fun stuff and Texas State marching. And then our uh, jazz bands are getting ready to perform at a gen conference in January. Cool. And then pretty soon we'll start up in concert band and start getting that going. So everything kind of is on top of itself. And then we have a chamber music class as well that meets every day and it's got five chamber groups and they play with our local symphony orchestra in the lobby before the concerts and some of their musicians come over and work with our kids so we like to think of ourselves as a well-rounded program uh like we like to be good at everything not really only good at marching or anything like that so it's that sounds like a texas band to me yeah Um, I, I want to dig into a, a little bit of that too, and dig into a little bit about Texas band. We we've had a few Texas band directors over the course of the last couple of years talking on the podcast, but there's there's always something special about talking about Texas band and um, what bands around the world can learn from that petri dish of band in Texas. <laughs> um, but let's talk a little bit about um, the 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 last couple of months. Let's bring us up to speed on um, on on what's happening with the school because.
because um, not only have we all been facing this pandemic, but you guys on your first week back were facing a hurricane in Texas as well. Um, And that affected your, your rehearsals. Yeah, so we started back at the end of July. Uh, oh wow! Well, okay. We, we start we start early in Texas. Um, <laughs> it's right about the time the Delta variant started to kick up, so we immediately found ourselves changing our protocols pretty much day one. Um, I think it was the end of our second week. We were supposed to have a an evening marching rehearsal, and one of our students came up COVID positive, so we said everyone home for the weekend and said, get tested. If you don't feel well, come back Monday. Um, and then last week we had a hurricane Nicholas roll through. So we lost a week of rehearsal. We had um, a lot of people without power. Luckily everyone was safe, but just a lot of people without power. And in Texas, when you don't have power and it's nine degrees out, it's not very fun. So um, we still played our football game last Friday though, even though we didn't have school last week, we still, play football because that's the other thing in texas that never stops is football right and and that's kind of like the band and football are kind of synonymous with each other isn't it like that's kind of um a little bit about uh how how bands sort of have prospered as much because they have these sporting events to take part in so the concert those great concert bands that we see in in texas have kind of uh developed after those great marching bands in texas almost because of football is that right? Yeah, that's, that's the order we go in. Basically, we <laughs> wish it was the other way around. There was actually a rumor at one point during COVID they were going to flip the season. They were going to start the year and then do football and marching band in the spring. And we got really excited because you want your kids to start the year just playing. But we're crazy. We start the year doing all of it. So they're outside <laughs> moving and playing and doing all of it at once. And by the time we get to concert season, it's nice. They have internal polls. They have camaraderie. You get a lot of the the fun stuff done first. Uh, so whenever they get to concert season, they, they already know each other. They have a solid set of fundamentals uh, to work on. So uh, Texas is Texas is in a slightly different place to to some of the other states in America and some of the other places around the world in terms of uh, COVID. And I suppose let's we won't don't need to get too into into sort of the pros and cons of of shutting down or so on. But um, how has your school been through this? Have have you guys uh, have you been uh, have you had a lot of time away from in class band? Have you had to do a lot of online learning over the last year? So. Last year, last school year, we were pretty much in a virtual option most of the year. So everything was uh, presented with multiple opportunities. So we, we still did a marching show. It was, everyone was always six feet apart, you know, kind of that four-step interval all the time. Um, it was very progressive. We saw who we had at first, and they did our opener. And then as a few more kids showed up, we threw them in our next movement. And then a few more kids showed It's just the band kept growing as the show went on. Um, a lot of repeat teaching, a lot of Google Classroom videos. If we learn this choreo today, watch the video and learn it before you show up next week. And and there wasn't any competition for us last year. We just did uh, football games and one kind of compulsory contest where you get a, a yes-no rating kind of thing, nothing uh, ranking-wise last year. Um, and then this year, we our school doesn't have a mask mandate. We have some students that wear masks, some that don't. Um, we haven't been given any protocols for rehearsing inside or outside. So we're we're pretty fortunate we can rehearse inside. We're we're cautious and we tell people if they are having any symptoms to stay at home. We have people test often. Our district offers free testing so students can get tested 
quickly. Um, but yeah, it's quote unquote band is normal at the moment, but still all there's, well, I mean, we, we were missing up to 15 kids a couple weeks ago. So you're in reteach mode quite a bit. And have you seen any, it's, it were probably a year or two away from you seeing maybe a, um, difference in the kids that are arriving into the high school program from those feeder middle schools do you do you anticipate um sort of a, a student coming into high school maybe at a slightly different level from before because they they've missed in-person band for a year or two yeah i mean we have even our freshmen we start in sixth grade so our freshmen had a full sixth grade year they had about three quarters of a seventh grade year and then we have students that never came back to school from that point until this year. So they had about a year and a half off of in-person instruction. We had asynchronous learning where they would be online and we do a global presentation, but there wasn't a lot of feedback given. So we've had a lot of kids just getting used to playing in front of others again. There's a lot of anxiety over people hearing them play because they went a long time without it. Um, and there is some emotional uh damage as well like it's 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 not quite the same student that you can speak to in the same way you used to good or bad like it if you're even giving someone a slight correction it seems like it's a bit more it resonates a bit more than before because students that were at home for a year and a half they didn't really get a correction at all they they turn to their assignments say gotta follow this guideline and turn things in and now it's whenever it's like hey can you try doing this they go oh my gosh i'm terrible and it's, of course, just a change in verbiage in the way we say things like, hey, you did this really great. Have you ever tried thinking about this? Have you ever done this? So uh, there is a little bit of a change in approach. There's been a lot more review, a lot more repetition than we've had in the past. Um, but in some ways, it's good. It also teaches us how to teach a little more efficiently, a little better. Are you worried about apathy at all with some of these, with some of the kids in the band? Um, or is, 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 is that not a concern? There is some right now we get the kind of intrinsic motivation of competitive season. You know, when we're in our competitive season, they're excited. Uh, for I forgot us, we were gonna, talking to a Texas band. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, we do. Um, well, last year, our football games, we only went to uh, home games or if we went to away games, it was with kind of a smaller group. Um, and so when you saw another band, it wasn't the full band or we didn't have our full band. So a lot of the cool thing about Texas at football games, there's two bands there. So you play at each other, you play little stands, things in the stands, you go out halftime, you kind of see who's got the better show. And there's, there's a little bit of that one upmanship that's fun. Kids love it. Um, so weekly they get that, they get to go see another band. They get to go see other band students and see what they're doing and what they're experiencing. So that doesn't exist now now a year ago back in uh march to may there was quite a bit of apathy when we we're doing concert season and it was kind of in a box like everyone just was seeing our community you're not really getting out there and seeing others that's when there there was quite a bit of apathy especially from our seniors last year that was hard like they kind of didn't get to do all the things that anyone everyone had done before them so they all of a sudden were told like okay all this cool stuff you gotta do as a senior Sorry, you got the COVID year, so you didn't get to do it. So it's pretty rough on that much. And, and the other world that you're part of, um, Mark, uh, Drum Corps, um, a lot of the age outs would have had that same sort of experience where 
they're working towards this sort of final year and this emotional sort of finale to their time in drum corps and then didn't get that final final year i know there was some um uh, there was some uh, rules changed to allow an additional uh, an additional year and so on but of course many of the many of the kids can't actually do that because they're going into their first jobs or you know finances aren't there or so on um it must be it must be very disheartening for the for the kids but also for for the likes of yourself and for instructors and teachers around the country to not to see those kids that they've brought through for many years then not to have that final year have you been able to do any sort of like special events, graduations, age out ceremonies or anything like that for those type of kids? For Vanguard, we were pretty lucky that all of our kids stuck with us, which was something we didn't expect. We, we didn't know. Um, we left it open to them. We, we essentially have had two years off without fielding a competitive drum corps. Um, so that first year, you know, we had started and we had done camps and, we had stuff going, and I think February camp was our last camp we had in that year. And the next year we came back, and we didn't know what quite we were going to have, and we, we organized some calls, and we just said, be there if you want to be there. We get it. Like, life is different now. Uh, we don't know what it's going to be. And they all stuck with us, and they all were on the weekly calls. And then we said, hey, we're going to do this project. We're going to do an audio recording, and we're going to get together in Texas and California and put together a presentation. It's going to be different. Um and they all were there and it was awesome. And then we were able to do age out ceremonies in those two places. So we did one in California, one in Texas and probably 90% of our age outs were able to be there and still do an age out ceremony. That's fantastic. Uh, just see each other. It was, it was kind of nice to do all that stuff without the stress of finals week on top of it. Cause always those ceremonies are on like finals day. And you're like, I really want to do this ceremony, but we also have a show tonight. So there's always that rush. So this one was nice. Cause we just, like in California, we were at a camp. We were around a campfire hanging out. I mean, that's the best possible situation you can have. So uh, I, I think we the first day that I met you, Mark, um, was on semifinals day in yeah. 2019. And I arrived just in time to see uh, to see the feathers being, being handed to, to all of the age outs. Uh, so I actually got to see the tail end of... Uh, of one of those ceremonies and you're right i mean what a busy day semi-finals day and like there's so much happening and uh it must have been nice to maybe just you know take a step back and actually uh, allow the moment to to, to breathe a bit more this year yeah and it was that was the hardest thing is those vets you know some of the guys i had taught for four or five years and been through a lot of events with i mean there had been people age out last year that i did the Rose Bowl with at Vanguard, or I'd known from Vanguard Cadets, and they'd grown up and become a member of the A Corps, and I, you know I'd seen them around for six, seven years. So for them to end their time at Vanguard differently, they could have done, they could have taken that and said, "Nope, not going to do it," or "I'm not going to worry about it," or had a negative attitude. And they didn't. They came in with great attitudes, and and that's kind of what's special about the Vanguard kids already is they they just have good attitudes and they make it work and. And we tried to put something out there that was on the vanguard, as we call it, on the cutting edge, on the front side, um, that's different, but still entertaining. And we thought it was successful. I think it was a really cool pro production that we were able to put out. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it, it was amazing for uh, people like me and around the world to be able to actually watch the same production that everyone else is getting to see. You know, yeah. uh, normally we're getting to see a recording of what's happening in Lucas Oil Stadium. But for us to see the product 
the, the piece of art in the same capacity, the, the capacity that it was designed to be seen um, was really amazing, actually. Uh, the, you know, I felt felt really privileged to be able to watch the same piece of content that everyone else was able to watch. Um, so congr- congratulations on, on, on that. And I will absolutely make sure to share it in the, in the show notes here awesome. for anyone that actually hasn't seen that. Um, it's a, it's a fantastic uh, production and uh, congratulations on it. Um, I don't want to get hung up too much on COVID-19, but before we finish this part, the part, part of the conversation, um, I did want to kind of revisit the, uh, the initial conversation that we had, um, in March of 2020, when we were talking about the two or three weeks that we might have off to reflect <laughs> and to uh, maybe and maybe figure out, you know, you know, reflect and figure out the things that mean a lot to us. Uh, well, we've had more than three weeks. We've had 18 months, uh, possibly uh, so, even longer. Um, you know, we talk about a lot of the negatives that um, COVID and some of the difficulties and some of the um the hurdles that we've all had to jump over in our different bands and uh, community bands, high school bands, drum corps. Um, but there has been some positives too. I, I mean, I, even the likes of that show that, 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 uh, Santa Clara Vanguard did this year, that there's been a lot of innovation. Do you find that there's been a major change in how you teach or is, do, do you see there's going to be any new methods that you're going to use long-term? I see a lot of marching band, BOA instructors and drum corps people talking about um uh, how there's actually some advantages to teaching drill online rather than in person sometimes um do you find any of that or you you just love it to be back in person uh no i think we definitely changed our approach um it allowed us to step back and say why did we really do some of these things you know when you're doing it constantly um like as someone who does texas band and drum corps there's really never an end as soon as I'm ending my Texas marching season, we are starting drum corps. And then as soon as drum corps ends, I'm right back in Texas marching season. So I essentially teach marching band 12 months a year. Um, so I never have stepped back and said, why do we do this? Why do we do that? And we we took that time to do that and say, is this really smart? Is this really what we're doing? Uh, we were pretty lucky at Vanguard. We had just started a, a new brass team uh, going into this pandemic. Um, so we were able to spend a lot of time together as instructors talking about pedagogy, how we're doing things. And, and that brass team, no one has left. Like that was amazing to me. Like you would have think that they get hired and there's not a season they're going to go find somewhere else. And they, they've all stuck with it. And we've got a great team that we love being together. Um, but we've definitely changed the way that we do a lot of things more efficient. We use the online system a lot more, like people sending in assignments that way, uh, even instructional videos, just a whole lot of like, if someone's not there, how can they still get the information? We deal with that a lot. Um, in high school, we really met, keep people a lot more where they're at. You know, we kind of used to have this imaginary standard in our head, like, well, the kids must be here by this day. Otherwise we didn't do our job. And last year at the end of the year, we just took the approach of where are our kids and how much better can they get? And that's good. That's an accomplishment, not, some imaginary standard, they have to know X number of scales by this day or whatever it is. We just said, what do our kids not know? What do we want them to know more of? Let's teach them that and see how far they can get. And then this year, they're actually better than they were in the past year. So we've kind of changed that way. Like, um, you know, we have four concert bands here and we always kind of taught them real rush. Like, okay, let's go, let's get to music, let's get to music. And our 
and our fourth ensemble, we spent a lot more time with fundamentals and went, you know, we actually want every student to understand how they do a major scale. Let's make sure they all know. And we built that scale and we talked about it and the transfer of knowledge made it to where they were actually better by the end of the year. They learned wow. music faster. Um, so we went, okay, so some of the stuff we've been doing, we've been doing rushed. Let's slow down. And it's hard. You know, you always want to just go fast and get through everything you can. And it's like, okay, no, let's slow down. And, and the differentiated instruction, you know, like if I have kids that are going this fast and kids that are struggling, like let's split up the class. Let's, let's do something different. Like maybe these guys go and do enrichment and these guys go and do something remedial. And at the end of the day, we're all at the same level. We can do a lot more. So do you, do you, think that the system uh, in, in in Texas and in your part of Texas, is it flexible enough to allow these changes um, that you're obviously seeing there being benefits to? Uh, does Will the system uh, be flexible enough to allow those changes to be permanent? Um, or is there a fear that maybe that slippery slope of competition and uh, demand for progress, that it might kind of uh, you find you might find everyone kind of falling back into some of their their old ways? <laughs> It's funny because we spent our, our state conferences every year in July. And the one two years ago was all about how do we make this work during COVID? And the one this past year is like, how do we teach students after what they just went through? <coughs> Pardon me. And it seems very quickly that people have gone right back to what, what it was. Right. And it's it like we had all these great clinics and we had all these great things. And, and a lot of people are doing those strategies, but now that like we've hit our first weekend of uh, contests, you see the regular social media posts like, oh, we know this many pages of drill and oh, we did this and oh, we did that. And it's always about those those tangible things rather than, oh, man, my students are really happy today or, oh, we had this great performance and oh, we started these new friendships or and some of those extra things that you really want to be the focus. So I hope it will stay that way, but I fear that it might go back to some, but I know some of the more competitive groups in Texas have shifted and there is a big push to recognize more, just not always the same few groups. So there's, there are some changes in the works and there was some reevaluation. It's just a matter of if it sticks or not. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we'll get into some of the parallels with the uh, drum corps world uh, when we get into a bit more of that in, in, in later in the conversation. Um, but let's let's take a step step back for a few minutes. Um, I kind of want to talk about uh, your journey to um, to doing to doing what you do. I, for anyone that followed the Finding Drum Corps podcast, I know we talk quite a bit about your your journey into drum corps and uh, quite a quite a different journey into it actually as well. It was a, it was a great story. Um, but let's talk about your your musical journey generally. Um, did you come from a musical background? Was band a part of your, your childhood? Uh, were your parents musical? So my dad is actually rather tone deaf. Uh, never played an <laughs> instrument. My mom has always appreciated music, but never played music. Uh, my grandma always just has been a lover of the arts uh, in general. Um, so there was an appreciation for music, but I actually come from a football engineering family. My dad was, uh, if you ever saw Friday Night Lights, like if you ever saw that movie, that's where my dad grew up. So like some of that is right. actually pretty accurate to my father. Um, and so I was supposed to be a football player and go to Texas A&M and study engineering. Like that was his dream for me. Um, my mom was a teacher. 
So that's where I kind of get my educational background from. But yeah, I there wasn't much music in my background. I just was fortunate enough to go to a smaller school. I think when I started beginner band, I had 25, 30 people in my entire sixth grade beginner class, whereas most Texas schools have a couple hundred. Um, and every day my mom couldn't pick me up. And so I stay in the band hall and I go learn a trumpet part to something. I'd ask my band director, how do you transpose this? And he told me and I'd figure it out. I'd go in the library and figure out music and just boredom at first. Um, and then just fell in love with music through high school, had really fortunate to have great band directors growing up. Uh, I grew up down the road from North Texas uh, within an hour, which is a great music school. So I was able to go to concerts. My band directors got me turned on to some professional groups and I was able to go to some concerts. And then once once I got going and into the world of uh, marching band and drum corps, I really never looked back. It was it's, always it's not a bad part love. of the world to grow up in um, if, no. you're, if you're a band kid. <laughs> and it's funny because as small as my band was comparatively, like we had maybe 100 people uh, the last year, which is a smaller Texas band. Um, seven of us end up marching drum corps, which is a lot coming from there. And three of us march Vanguard. Um, so it is just kind of small world, like how things end up from a small town to now being, it's a small town next to a big city. I will say that that's one thing that was going for it, but, um, a small town at the time I was there. Did you, did you play football growing up as well, Mark? You're a big guy. Uh, I'd imagine that there was probably pressure from your from your coaches to maybe play if, if you didn't. Yeah, our entire seventh grade boys, everyone who was a seventh grade boy played football. Like it was not really presented as an option. Like everyone was just in the class. Um, and we had two kids that were unable to play, like physically unable to play. And they were our trainers. So they were still a part of the football team. So I played in seventh grade. I played in eighth grade until I got hurt. And then that was kind of my moment to say, yeah, I, I love it. I watch it every weekend. I watch football from Thursday to Monday night because in Texas you can. But um, <laughs> but I am glad to not be participating in it. <laughs> so you never you never ended up in that situation where you had to run off at halftime and get into the band uniform and run back out and perform. <laughs> no, I actually played tennis in high school and my band director was my tennis coach. So I never had to even make the choice of which one to go to. I would say, what do I do? And he's like, go to the meet, miss this practice. And it was <laughs> a good situation. Nice and easy. It's funny, you know, we, we see a, there's a big comparison between, uh, of course, we don't have bands in our schools, but our but our bands, uh, our community bands that are here. Uh, they're certainly not as big uh, and, and certainly not as well funded as Texas bands. But that that link to sports is very much part of Irish band culture too. Uh, our, our bands play uh, as part of the uh, Gaelic Athletic Association. A lot of them will play at various different matches. Uh, GAA is as big here as Texas football is in Texas. It, it, it permeates every part of our culture and community. I live in a small village with one shop two pubs and one of the best GAA pitches that you could hope for floodlights and great draining and <laughs> the gym and fantastic. And, and every community has that. And our bands are really, really linked into that. And it's amazing um, uh, to see the kids that are able to do both, you know, um, is there, would, would there be a lot of kids that would be part of the football team and still part of their band? Is that, is that encouraged? Is it possible in Texas? Yeah. It- kind of depends on the school and the program we offer 
ways where it's possible. So we have our varsity athletes don't really do the marching band just because the, the rehearsals conflict They're They can try. We, we've had people try. Um, and if they're willing to like our football team practices at 6 a.m. And our band goes from 3.40 to 5.40 after school. So if they want to do a 12-hour day with two practices, we say, go for it. But most of the time we say, you know, come to concert band class, play your instrument, but you're not going to do the marching band rehearsals after school. But yeah, we have cheerleaders, we have drill team, we have football, baseball, basketball. We have someone in every sport. Um, And we encourage it. We want them to do both. Um, I think the only thing is our, if someone makes our drum line, like our actually battery drum line, we tell them they can't play football just because it can, it's too necessary. <laughs> right. Uh, I, 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 I talk about being part of like uh, the athletes in the arts. Um, certainly there's just the, f- the physicality, I, I'm guessing, would, would be too much to try and tra- train for two sports, essentially. Um, yeah. uh, as, a, as, a, um, as a tuba player, um, uh, were you, did you play tuba in, in concert band in high school? Um, was that something that you came to later um, through drum corps or was tuba all your, always your instrument? Yeah, tuba from the beginning. I learned yeah. um, bass trombone to play some jazz in high school. I play uh, like jazz bass as well. So I picked up some other instruments along the way. But yeah, tuba was my original instrument. And I was one of two tuba players my freshman year. So we, we being a smaller school, it was once I was good at it, my director never let me leave it. It was like, I remember one point I said like, oh, I'd be drum major. He's like, nope, you're a tuba. You're a stay. Right there, play tuba. <laughs> if you get a big guy that's able to play tuba and he's able to play it well, you keep him on that instrument. You don't yeah, let him I, move. <laughs> I know now as a band director why, but at the time it was a little frustrating. But yeah, and that was your that was your path into drum corps as well. And I know we covered some of this on the Finding Drum Corps podcast, and you should go and listen to that podcast if you haven't already. But tell me a little bit about your your path into drum corps um, and. Uh, uh, you didn't stick around once you once you did it for a while. You you kind of you were in and out and didn't come back yeah. for a few years. So my to be a marching member, um, I'd always loved it. In high school, we went and watched it every year. They actually had a local show we could always go see, and I went to it every year. the The funniest of those is going into my freshman year. Um, they had finals in Dallas, and Dallas is about forty five minutes from where I grew up. And I remember someone coming up and saying, oh, do you want to go? Do you want to go to DCI? And I was like, I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? <laughs> and they said, oh, come on, we're getting tickets. Do you want to go? And I said, I don't know what that is. Like, I don't want to go to that. So they actually had finals here and I missed it because of that. And then every other year, once I learned what it was, <laughs> I mean, I wish they would show me a video or something. Uh, once I learned what it was, I went to the local show uh, just in midseason. And then um, my senior year, once I graduated, a couple of people I went to high school with were marching. So we bought tickets to finals in Orlando and I had plane tickets. I had tickets to semifinals, finals, had a hotel. So me and my buddies were all going to go. Um, and then I got a phone call. I was at work. I was at this place called Eckerd Drugs, like a drugstore slash kind of, one of those all in one. You can do some grocery shopping and do everything. And my friends knew to call me there because I'd worked the photo counter and I would tell them, I would pretend to be talking about photos and I could just talk to them on a board at work. And my friend who was marching Vanguard called me and said, hey, you want to march Vanguard? And I was like, yeah, funny, whatever. I thought they were kidding. And she's like, no, there's a spot. You should come. And so I 
within days, booked a ticket to California, packed a bag, and within three days was in a rehearsal getting beat up. So I literally had no tryouts. I never auditioned for a drum corps. I just showed up one day and I was big enough to not be the worst one on tuba. <laughs> and I got beat up really quick and had to figure it out on the fly. But yeah, that was my going into college. And then once I got to college, I just did all the dumb reasons. People don't watch drum corps. I, I worked in the summers or I'd take an extra class or I'd have a girlfriend or all the reasons people always say they don't want to watch drum corps. Uh, and I missed some pretty great Vanguard shows. I could have marched 97, 98, 99 and had three medals and marched a championship show. And I was stupid. So I tell people now that don't want to march. Don't, all the don't make your like, mistake. March every year. Don't make my mistake. Um, it clearly made a huge impact on you though, Mark, like not yeah. only that you went off and became a, a band director, but you've, um, you've stayed part of the drum corps community. I mean, not just part of the community, but, uh, very much at the, uh, at, at the top end of, of instruction and with one of the top cores, um, you know, what, what drove you to come back to drum corps, um, after all those years? So I, once I finished college, I started teaching. I was pretty active. You know, I was teaching March band and arranging shows and doing lots of stuff. And I had gone to grad school at Baylor. And while there, there was a couple of guys marching Cavaliers and they said, oh, why don't you teach? I was like, I don't know. I've never thought about it. They're like, oh, you should teach. I'm like, oh, I'm sure you have to be much more qualified to teach. Like, I'm not qualified enough to do that. It's what I thought. It's like, I'm not good enough. I couldn't do that. And so we had had... One of our, my former students' fathers was volunteering Blue Coats and he was marching Blue Coats. So I went to one of the camps and I sent an email to Dave McKinnon and I said, Hey, I'm a band director. I'd be interested about being at staff. I just want to come by and check out camp. He said, Sure. And I met Bob Higgins, who used to be on the staff there and was talking to him. And he said, Where'd you march? And I was like, I marched Vanguard. He's like, I marched Vanguard also. And he said, you must know what you're doing if you march Vanguard. He said, you want to teach here? And I was like, sure. And that was my whole process. And I joined the staff of the Bluecoats in 07. So I, I kind of stumbled into drum corps both times. Both times. <laughs> both times. As a member and as an instructor. And then I taught with Bluecoats from 7 to 11. And then 2012 came over to Vanguard. So. And you've done pretty good with Vanguard since. Uh, there's been some great brass lines and some great brass shows during during your time there. Uh, you know, one of the, the one of the first shows that I ever seen live uh, was Babylon uh, 2018. Um, what an incredible show! I, I mean, I don't want you to ask. I don't want you to um, to have to name your favorites. Um, but you know, the success of Babylon that year. Uh, must be a standout in, in terms of your your career and um, your work with Vanguard, is it? It is. It's It was a combination of a lot of great events. We had a really great leadership team. And I was actually, I was at Blue Coats in 2010. I think there's a lot of similarities between the two. That's the Metropolis show. And it was a leadership team that had come back with experience. So we had a horn sergeant had been a section leader the year before. We had a drum major who had been a drum major the year before. And we just have people that knew how to do things. So if in the leadership side is good, our lives are so much easier. Um, it was just a great product. Like the show was put together really well. Um, a lot of talent. A lot of people that had marched two or three years. 
some incredible soloists. It was just, it was a great combination of events. So it made it a very fun summer to teach uh, because it, it all kind of works. You know, I guess you always try every year you try, you put this puzzle together and you hope it works. And that was the one year I was like, Hey, this show works. Like all this is really good. They're playing it really well. We have a cool design. Like all of it was just fun. And you never know. You go to the first show, you still don't know. You go, this could be first, it could be 12th. We, we still don't know until the first show. And then we got some fan reaction and we're like, oh, this actually is a cool show. This is actually, we don't, we don't just think it's cool. Other people think it's cool too. So I mean, by the time I seen you guys at finals, uh, the kids were walking around and, and carry themselves like stars <laughs> at that yeah. stage. Uh, they feel, they just seem to, it was just such a cool show and the uniform was cool and they just seemed to the kids knew that it, this was a great show i think at that at that stage by that stage um and again for anyone that hasn't seen seen that show I'll, I'll make sure to to link um to link what i can <laughs> to that <Yeah>. show <laughs> um so uh before we move on and talk a little bit about um what's happening now and um and, and happening with your career i want to talk a little bit about our sponsor so global band room is sponsored by kaleidoscope adventures and if you are planning to travel anywhere domestically in the us or to ireland in the uk with your band choir orchestra marching band tambourine group whatever it is uh, kaleidoscope adventures can help you out uh, mark where is your favorite place that you have traveled over the years be it with marching band or drum corps or just even in your own personal life so I'll give you three answers. I know it's extra answer there, but <laughs> That's um, with Vanguard, we did a Taiwan trip that was pretty amazing. We took uh, 19 performers over and did uh, segments of our Scheherazade show in a smaller environment. We did a lot of courtyards and it's just fun. It's a fun experience. Um, got to see the country, got to meet people, got to learn about culture um, and being there with Vanguard was great because it's all adults. So you don't have to do kind of the chaperoning you normally have to do. Um, so that part was great. Um, I taught in Kansas City. We did a trip to London for the London Parade um, and performed a big grand finale at the end with some other American groups. Um, and we did an indoor performance at a 16th century church. I mean, it had a 22nd reverb or something. It was incredible. I still remember. Uh, we played Mars and I thought we were going to break the church it, just, it, just, <laughs> it, it stood it stood for centuries until you arrived yeah. <laughs> and we did uh, Sussex Mummer's Christmas Carol and I remember like the last note just hanging out for a while like cutting it off and all the kids are looking up to hear the end of the note wow. um, and then personally I went to Italy for a week and that's probably my favorite trip I got to do my band nerd side and see St. Mark's and, and go in and being a brass player you have to see St. Mark's um, and then was able to go out in the countryside a bit and do some wine tasting and stay in the castle and have all the, the fun side of it. Well, I know we plan to get a point in, in Ireland at some point. Uh, Definitely. Uh, either, either, either here in Ireland or me over in Texas. Uh, so looking forward to that at some stage. Well, if you are uh, planning your next trip, you can head over to mykatrip.com and uh, contact myself or anyone else on the Kaleidoscope Adventures team and start pl planning your next adventure today. Mark, let's move on to talk a little bit about what's happening uh, right now. Um, 
balance, work-life balance is a big conversation in the band world, uh, rightfully so. Uh, this is a passion that we all have, uh, be it your full-time job or be it a part-time job, like many European band directors like me. Um, and no matter which side of that you fall in, finding a balance so that you still have some sort of life outside of the band room is incredibly difficult. How do you manage that, Mark? And have you found any new ways of managing it over the last 18 months? Um, I wish I do it better than I did when it was, uh, <laughs> COVID, it was nice. I had lots of time and I worked out and I ran a marathon and spent lots of time with my kids and it was wonderful. Um, now it gets to be a little hard, you know, Kyle, you feel like once you're at one of your activities, you're pulling away from a second activity. Um, I was pretty lucky with Vanguard having the summer off. I actually was able to stay home and I coached my kids basketball team which was a whole new world i thought band directing was crazy parents but that was <laughs> interesting uh but yeah i coached a basketball team we unfortunately didn't win any games but i still had a good experience with uh my middle son um but yeah it's it's a challenge i try to diversify a bit like i'm in a church small group that meets every monday so i get to hang out with non-musicians you know, and, and hear about other parts of the world that aren't what I talk about every day. Um, um, Wednesday nights, I do some stuff with the youth at church. And, you know, no matter how your band world's going and how bad the concert F sounds and if you tore apart during the run through, <laughs> it all kind of seems to be okay when you go to like church at night and hang out with some seventh grade boys and they tell you about football practice that day or whatever happened. Um, and then my wife and it's incredibly supportive and my kids are just always fun to spend time with. So I try to find as much time as possible to make sure I'm at home. I make a habit of when I'm at home, I don't do work because that's time to be at home other than a few phone calls I have to make. I don't, I try not to bring home score study and things like that. So that way it's, it's about my kids when I'm home. Um, sometimes after they go to sleep, I'll do stuff, but I try to make it a point. Like when I walk in the door it's about my kids. It's about my wife and it's about family time. Not what I just did for 12 hours. That way I can devote a little energy to them. Do you, uh, do you keep email on your phone or do you keep any sort of work, uh, related apps on your phone? I am a constant email checker. I help. I hate, <laughs> uh, that red circle. That red circle drives <laughs> me crazy. Um, you know, you can I turn have, that off. <laughs> I, yeah, it's still, I still know it's there. Um, <laughs> I did watch that documentary, The Social Dilemma. It was on Netflix. And I did turn off my red circle for my social medias, which that helps. Because I was it always a, doing those. It's a terrifying documentary uh, for yes. anyone that uh, that hasn't, <laughs> see, hasn't seen it. And, you know, I think band directors, we're, we're uh, as guilty as anyone. Um, I, I'm part of at least seven or eight band director Facebook groups, <laughs> including yeah. the infamous ones too, um, you know, uh, because we want to celebrate our um, our kids. We want to celebrate our bands. A lot of the time, that's the hook, the hook that has us in there. We, we, we want to tell everyone about this amazing rehearsal or concert or what the kids achieved. Uh, but then we start scrolling and start comparing ourselves to all of those other band directors. Um, do you do you spend much time on social media, Mark? Do you, do you spend too much time, not enough time? <laughs> Is there such a thing? You, you know, I try not to do it 
if I'm around other people. That's always my right. thing. Like if, if I'm by myself, I don't feel bad kind of going down the rabbit hole. You know, yeah. it's my little bit of, because uh, I do, I have found that if I think about band too much, that it just stresses me out. So if I look at social media, for the most part, I've muted or hidden things that are about band unless I actively <laughs> go there. So when I go on there, I'm usually, you know, looking at things about the latest episode of Ted Lasso or something. I'm doing something completely far away from Archie Band. Something that just 100% entertains me and allows me to have that outlet. I think that's kind of been my thing in the last two years. It's like, if I'm going to do something at home, it's not going to be band related. It's going to be like, watch something funny on TV or watch a show my wife really likes with her so we can talk about it or, or something like that just to get away. So it's like, sure, I, I probably could turn off the TV and go to bed, but I'm letting my brain unplug a bit. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly important. I have a huge video game collection as a result of that same sort of thinking, um, which brings me on to, uh, to the next part of the show, uh, which I'm now calling Off the Rostrum. Um, which is a way for me to get to know my guests in a, in a non-musical way. Um, and my first question to you today, um, and you made mention of a particular TV show, I wonder whether that's going to be your answer. What's your favorite TV show at the moment? At the moment? Hmm. Okay. I have so many answers to this. So, <laughs> um, My favorite TV show at the moment is The Walking Dead, believe it or not, the, ah. the zombie show. Um, I have gone down the extreme rabbit hole for that show i have read all the comics <laughs> i have watched every episode i've watched all the episode about the episodes and then they actually have a podcast i just discovered so i've been binging it I probably listened to 100 episodes of the podcast in the last year and now i'm a active participant so i write in i call in they play my stuff on the show um yeah that's that's probably my biggest obsession right now is the walking dead so. <laughs> um, ever play any of the video games? There's a there's a great Telltale uh, Telltale um, five episode um, uh, uh, game for the for the Walking Dead. Fantastic! I've game heard about it on my podcast, and I haven't branched there yet. That's like my next step is to get there. <laughs> I think it's available for iOS. So even if you're not a, yeah. a gamer generally, it's it's going to be available somewhere. Um, let me talk a bit, a little bit about Ted Lasso though, because it was actually one of your posts that actually got me uh, interested in watching that. Uh, is Ted Lasso a show that you enjoy? Oh yeah, it's um, <laughs> you know during COVID we were stuck inside so much. I actually had a Facebook post I put up and said I've watched everything <laughs> that I because I usually during uh, school year I keep myself to like three shows. That's my rule. It's like if it's anything more than three shows. I'm going to stay up too late. So right now it's The Walking Dead and What If and oh, yeah. Ted Lasso's. Those are the three shows I watch. That's it right now. Like anything else is like I come home, I go to bed or uh, my wife's watching Downton Abbey. So we started watching Downton Abbey. But, um, but Ted Lasso, I put a Facebook post up and Taylor Smith, who's on our Vanguard staff, he had said, you have to watch this show. Like you, you need something new to watch. Watch this. It's great. It's one season. You can knock it out in a day. I did. I binged the whole first season. And then now, right now, I'm going nuts because I have to wait a week. You know, it's one of those, like, <laughs> right. you binge. So now I have to wait a week. And so the last two weeks, I've been on a bus to a football game, and I watched Ted Lasso on the bus on the way there. So. There's a lot of lessons, I think, for – and I know we like to, you know, uh, switch off from, from band and, 
uh, what's your favorite TV shows? But but there is a lot of lessons uh, for general leadership and coaching and yeah. uh, dealing with people in Ted Lasso. I found myself watching it quite a bit and going, oh man, maybe I, I need to to adjust how I how I uh, work with people. Uh, you know, where we're TV shows these days tend to be so cynical uh, and yeah. cynical people and. There's just an absolute uh, absence of cynicism in that show. It's it's something that was just so badly needed at the time that it came out, I think. And I laugh and cry every episode. I actually text, every time I watch an episode, I text Taylor and I say, I hate you and love you for telling me about this show. Because <laughs> every time I just get so emotional. And then I found out like all those things he says are from his high school basketball coach. That's where he gets really? all those... All those off-the-wall sayings are actually one of his coaches said it. Amazing. It's a fantastic show. Uh, if anyone, if, if, if you're looking for some sort of inspiration, uh, Ted Lasso on Apple TV, definitely uh, worth watching. Um, who is your hero? Oh, man. Probably, uh, she passed away last year, but probably my grandma. She probably had the best heart for people. Um, like there was no one that she didn't know everything about and give a little phone call to, she was 98 when she wow. passed away. So yeah, she lived a good life. Uh, I remember asking her, you know, are you ready to be a hundred? She's like, Nope, I've gone long enough. I don't want to be a hundred. Um, she was a part of a newcomers group in grapevine where my parents still live. And she would go to concerts and different things with the group and play bridge and just, you know, just had so much, she got so much out of life. Like there was never a time, even when she was 98, that she wouldn't tell me about something new she was doing. And it usually wasn't sitting at home. It was usually she went out and did something cool, tried a new restaurant or, or met a new person. And it was, I want to like have that out of life, what she has. So. What would you sing at karaoke? <laughs> what's your, what's your song of choice? Oh, wow. Probably something, probably something Dave Matthews. I don't know which one. Probably like Ants Marching, something Dave Matthews. But I would do it such uh, disjustice because <laughs> it's definitely not my range. It's definitely a song I know the best, but um, it's definitely not my range. Are, are you someone that, that are you someone that volunteers to get up for karaoke, uh, or are you someone that has to be dragged up for karaoke? I used to have to have, I usually have to have liquid courage. I think the last time <laughs> I did karaoke was on that Taiwan trip. Uh, we ended up in a Taiwanese karaoke place and ended up singing, sending the clowns in a karaoke with uh, some other Vanguard people, which is the Vanguard core song. So it's pretty funny. I, I, I'm sure there's probably no recordings of that that are safe there's, for social media. <laughs> there's, there's no recordings of it. Luckily, we, we made a point to make sure that no one recorded anything. Because the ones in uh, the Asian karaoke places, you go to like a room. They give you your own little room and they bring you drink service and food service and you have mics and it's it's not quite the public. So it was eight people I knew all one place, which made it a little bit, a little bit safer. No strangers. How do you keep fit? Uh, I used to do a better job of it. Uh, running's my kind of outlet usually. Um, and it's a good <laughs> stress outlet too. I know I had a uh, previous job. That was a big challenge. It was about 
it was a few years ago. And, and my, my thing was, if I had a rough day at work, I would come home and I would run. And that was the most miles I've ever run in my life was that year was because it was like, you know what? I'm going to take all the stress and anxiety of this day and just run and listen to something calming. And, you know, if you're running and you're thinking, you can be angry and like get it all out. By the time you're home, you kind of, you're okay. You take a shower, you wash it away. You go on with the next day. Um, I'm mostly a healthy eater. I would say I still like Taco Bell every once in a while um, and a good cheeseburger. But for the most part, I, I enjoy healthy foods. Well, that brings me on to my next question. My next and final question then for, for, for today's show. Uh, what is your favorite fast food? Because I heard there's a debate about this in Texas. Well, the debate is Whataburger versus In-N-Out, which is not really a debate. Whataburger is far superior to In-N-Out, <laughs> which I often tell people from Vanguard and they disagree because Whataburger <laughs> is Texas-based and In-N-Out is California-based. All right. Um, yeah, that's definitely... But and is it a personal favorite? favorite? No, actually, Five Guys is my probably okay. favorite. Like, I think they're... Uh, I like their stuff, and I also like their story. I listened to a podcast called How It's Made, um, and it was actually the guy who started Five Guys. It was a story of it. And his kids picked it all. So that place is called Five Guys because when they went to go file their paperwork, they hadn't chosen a name. And it was him and his four sons. And he said, I don't know. What do you think we should call it, guys? And they're like, five guys. Like, okay. And he wrote down the paperwork. And it's still the name of it. And then all the ingredients was his wife and him would put out like 10 different ketchups and say, which one do you like? Okay, that's going to be our ketchup. And they're like, here's 10 pickles. Which one do you like? And and that whole thing started from like his kids saying what tastes the best. So well, it's nuts. I haven't had five guys, Whataburger, or... Um... Uh, what was that last one that we mentioned? In and out. In, in and, and out. out. I haven't had any of it. So uh, maybe next time I'm in Texas, I'll have to try Whataburger. Um, and for uh, when you come here, we'll have to give you a, a taste of Supermax, the uh, off-brand oh, wow. McDonald's that we have here, <laughs> which is far, far better than McDonald's, by the way. But uh, uh, yeah, uh, Mark, it's been absolutely fantastic having you. And uh, thank you so much for, for doing this again. Um, we'll have to check in again in, in eight months um and hopefully hopefully we'll uh, be able to see you and maybe interview you live in person um, when, when we're uh, in indianapolis next year hopefully at finals and we see santa clara vanguard back on the field again yeah we are excited we have started our audition process and we've got uh getting people starting to sign up we've got some veterans ready to go so we're we're gearing up for a season already so um we're excited Mark, thanks so much. Um, have a great uh, rest of your year and we'll talk to you soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Mark. Thank you so much again for joining me and my guests in the band room this week. I'll be back next episode talking to more great guests from around the band world. So head over to wherever you get your podcast from and make sure you subscribe. If you've enjoyed the episode, maybe even leave us a review and share it with your band buddies. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with me on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Global Bandroom and on our website, globalbandroom.com. Until next time, I'll see you back in the bandroom.